freestyle travel. Free again. Hey everybody, this is the Freestyle Travel Show. I am your host, Kenny Flannery, and this episode is about Egypt. And how I got detained for six and a half weeks. Jesus Christ. No, sorry, six and a half days. Felt like six and a half weeks. <laughs> oh man, just... Yeah, this started from me just walking, hitchhiking, going towards Luxor, and yeah, I reached a checkpoint, and yeah, this is just a story that goes from being inconvenient to kind of a hassle, to just frustrating, to kind of weird, maybe kind of good, like, what's going on? To just worse and worse and worse and worse, with a lot of false hope in between, thinking I was getting released or about to be released, and then things would get way worse, to the point where... I was thrown in a tiny little room with piles of people, literally, on top of each other, no water, just completely hopeless, like, how the hell am I getting out of here? Will I get out of here? (sighs) Yeah, I mean, this is almost, it's just much of a story about what the hell is going on there, it's just what happened to me. I mean, I met a lot of other people just going through some, some shit, too, but for me, it was almost no explanation and just a lot of lack of communication. Uh, I don't speak any Arabic, you know, so a lot of what happened is just, I, I couldn't communicate. I have no idea what's going on. Just incredibly frustrating. Uh, kind of terrifying at points. Uh, not the best. So I'll get into all of this. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by, <laughs> no, I don't have any sponsors, but I always talk about uh, Google Fi, which is the phone service I use, which seems incredibly appropriate for this episode, because it kind of saved me at one point, I think. So I'll just mention that real quick. Google, Google Fi is Google's phone service. It works all over the world, which is great for if you're traveling, like for me. Um, you don't have to switch SIM cards. It's like 20 bucks a month, and it just works like everywhere, the same price. So you can look more into it. I don't really feel like doing the whole spiel I normally do right now, but uh, I have a code. It's TDW3EE. If you use it, I get 20 bucks, or you get 20 bucks off. So do I. Your next bill. Happy days on that. And if you go to hobolifestyle.com, I have some a gear page and whatever. If you click through, it's all Amazon affiliate stuff. I get a chunk, blah, 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 whatever. Don't really care about that too much right now. Um, so this all started, uh, with me wanting to go to South Africa, actually. Uh, so, and I was in the Netherlands, the last episode you can listen to was with my friend Walter interviewing him. That's what this show's all about. I usually kind of brief everybody on my most recent travels and then I'll focus in on like one thing that happened in this case, freaking locked up in Egypt, but sometimes it's a little more happy. Like my friend, how he met his wife hitchhiking, for example, or, you know, how to spend money while you're traveling, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but so that last episode, I was in the Netherlands, and the idea was to get to South Africa as cheaply as possible, and I saw there's a flight from Cairo to South Africa for 200 bucks. That's a pretty good deal. So I got a cheap flight to Cyprus, Ryanair flights, um, it was like $15 from Belgium to Cyprus, spent a couple weeks there, and then there's like a $17 flight from uh, Cyprus to Israel, and I figured I could travel by land, and I'd have, you know, several weeks to 
kind of loosely check out Israel and I hate to overshadow how beautiful Israel and Cyprus were, but I'll maybe talk about that at the end. Uh, so this all finally puts me crossing the border into Egypt on February 14th, and I'll get to how things got really wrong on February 21st. So yeah, I had this one weird eerie song stuck in my head <laughs> the whole time, and it turns out the name of the song is uh, Six Day War, which I don't know seems even more appropriate so pepper that in so let me just uh jump right in to what the hell happened So, I crossed the border into Egypt on foot, coming from Israel. Uh, the day before, I dunked into the, the Dead Sea and hitched some rides and uh, got onto this hiking trail for, I don't know, I forget how long it was, 30 kilometers, let's say, and camped out for the night. And So, yeah, that morning, I, I woke up in my bivy and hiked on out, got to the road, hitched a couple rides to Alat, which is this uh, border town in Israel. Just beautiful. You could see the Red Sea for the first time. It's just this, this blue, man. Awesome. And uh, I had to walk probably an hour from where I got dropped off to the border. I show up to the border on foot in Egypt, and the border itself was a big pain in the ass. Like Even just this first day, I actually I recorded an episode later, about just the whole day, this day, crossing the border uh, that I'd never been able to upload because Wi-Fi was so bad, and then, you know, things just got way worse. That's why I'm re-recording all this to focus on that. But yeah, so that day was just a shit show. Just lots of uh, fees I didn't expect, like uh, leaving Israel, then a fee to get into Egypt. I didn't have money, and I had to get it changed. I got hosed, obviously, and then they didn't want to let me walk slash hitchhike they were telling me um it wasn't a good idea it's like they gave me a ride to another checkpoint i waited there and then they threw me in some car i was going to dahab where i had a couch surfing host uh, which would be a two-hour drive from the border so i got a ride in some car that just said nothing didn't know where i was going for about an hour dropped off at another police checkpoint i don't know if they're police military whatever just you know Official-looking dudes with guns say that. And then, so this other checkpoint, uh, they, you know, stopped a car and had me get in that car. And that car was going to Dahab. So it's all kind of weird. It's, like, it's just like police-assisted hitchhiking, begrudgingly, kind of <laughs> like, all right, whatever, I'm moving. It was a little bit frustrating, but beautiful, because we're just going along the sea, and there's, you know, nice beaches and stuff, and... Even when I got to Dahab, there's like a big gate with a checkpoint uh, five kilometers uh, before Dahab, which is about an hour walk, which for me is, yeah, just a, a nice walk. Like, so, but even at that checkpoint, they're checking my passport, passing it around, asking me tons of questions. How'd you get here? Blah, blah, blah. Just like the same question I've been answering all freaking day, like same stuff. And where are you staying? And blah, 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 all these questions. Finally, they let me go. Uh, I get to Dahab. Uh, Dahab's pretty beautiful, actually. That was uh, the highlight. The one and only highlight of Egypt was uh, this couch surfing host I stayed with had some snorkel gear. He let me 
borrow that in his bike, and I went to this place called Blue Hole, got to see this coral reef, and just this mind-blowing drop-off into deep blue water. So that's a good part of this story. Now that that's out of the way. Uh, next, I was going to go to Charm. Um, this is all in the Sinai Peninsula, to set this up, passport and visa-wise. Uh, you can go from Israel to the Sinai Peninsula, which is part of Egypt, without getting an Egypt visa. Uh, but I did get an Egyptian visa, too, because I was going to go as far as Cairo, which I got online. It's a $25 uh, e-visa. And, yeah, so I got that. Just set that up a little bit. And I got to Charm. And actually, for this podcast, I, I usually don't like to stay in hotel rooms or hostels or anything. I much prefer to camp or couch surf to save money. And much prefer to couch surf because besides just saving money, you meet someone cool. shows you some cool things. And or use trust roots, whatever. Uh, but I decided, it had been a long time since I uploaded an episode, so I'm like, hey, you know what, there's a $10 room, I'll get the room and I can use it to just get the space to record, because it's not always easy to find space to record these episodes. So I do that, I stay there for the night, and the next day I hitchhike, I get to a checkpoint, and they look at my passport and I tell them that I'm going, you know, in the direction of Cairo, essentially, and they tell me I have to go back to the airport to get a stamp in my passport for, even though I have the e-visa, I figured I'd just hit a checkpoint and show them my e-visa and it'd be good, but no, apparently I had to go back. So that was a whole long day, actually, of backtracking, getting to the airport. They're not used to the e-visa there, I guess, at least the people I dealt with, so that was just a long process of going into back rooms and... Yeah, there's going to be a lot of this. <laughs> so finally they, they stamped it. I'm good. But then it was like getting pretty late. And I just said, screw it, you know, like I'll just get a, a bus to Hergata. Uh, there's not enough daylight to hitchhike anymore. And if I get stuck and have to get a room, a bus ticket is like the same price as having to get a room or something. And this way I like I wake up and I'm in Hergata. Hergata is would be an eight hour drive but i had to get there it was much longer on bus because um, i had to go via cairo and down uh Hergata itself uh was just like a bold font on uh, the map and looked like somewhere cool to go along the red sea uh turns out it's just a shabby hustler town wanting to be a tourist town that obscures the view to the red sea uh the streets are just lined with hustlers as soon as you get there just you know every taxi's just honking at you people are whistling at you hissing at you trying to get your attention they all have the same routine these hustlers just uh where are you from where's your your hotel uh get you a good price you need hash blah 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 uh after this i just hate places like this cambodia was like a lot of places like were like that morocco to an extent i just I hate getting uh, yeah, hassled with all this stuff, just, just trying to walk. That's what Hergato was about. I stayed with a couch surfer there, couch surfing host, but he did not, uh, we didn't hang out too much. So I didn't really get to see anything cool. So when I left, this is where things get uh, bad. So I, I left Hergata, and my idea now is to go to Luxor. And I've just always had this idea in my head that Luxor is going to be this cool place. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I've been to Vegas so many times, and 
uh, the Luxor Casino. I don't know. It's just I don't like to look into the places I'm going to too much because I want to be surprised. Like I want to show up to Luxor and be like, whoa, this is what it looks like. I don't mind like looking into things, but I don't like to look at pictures. So anyways, I just have it in my mind. It's going to be a cool place. So I'm walking out of Hergata and I finally hitch a ride from some guy after walking for an hour or two. Uh, and we cruise to Safaga, Egypt, and he doesn't speak English, but he gets me on the phone with someone he says is going to Luxor who kind of speaks English. And I'm like, I don't have any money for this. Sounds like you want money. And I'm like, not going to do that. Drops me off. Uh, buy some pickup truck and I get in the pickup truck. It's, I, I figured it was his friend or something. And right away the guy's like, guy's like, where do you go? And I was like, where do I go? I thought you were going to Luxor. I thought that's what was going on. He's like, Luxor, Luxor, 2000 pounds. I'm like, what? And 2000 pounds also is ridiculous. It's like over a hundred dollars. And I'm like, no, it's like three hours away. And I'm like, no, no, the misunderstanding, you know, like I thought someone was just going to Luxor and, so he drove around for a bit, like trying to convince me, and and finally I just had to like jump out of his car, just like, sorry, man. <laughs> uh, so then I'm walking through Safaga, and for I don't know half an hour until I finally reach this checkpoint, and this is where it all gets uh, downhill pretty fast. So I come up to this checkpoint where the the road is going to break away towards Luxor. And these two guys come out of a little, you know, mobile office kind of thing. And there's some police around, too, or kind of. And But I see these two guys, and right away they tell me they're with uh, tourism something or other, and they ask me what I'm doing. I tell them I'm heading to Luxor, and, like, you need to take a bus or something. And, like, I'm just going to... I'm going to walk or hitchhike and uh, you can't do that. And I'm like, that's how I've gotten here and it's worked out. And, and I stuck out my thumb and some car almost even stopped. And they're like, no, it's a private vehicle. And, and then I like, let me see your passport. So I show them my passport and then they take me into this office and, and they're like, why don't you take a, a bus or something? I'm like, Oh, I don't have, you know, a lot of money like this. And, I like to travel this way and they're looking at my passport more and then they're starting to photocopy it. And I'm like, where are these buses <laughs> that you're talking about? I mean, if you're going to stop me, if my only, if that's my only option, maybe that's what I'll do. And, uh, just sitting there waiting. And then he's like, okay, uh, tourism police are going to help you get to Luxor. They're coming I'm like tourism police. I don't know. That doesn't sound helpful, <laughs> but maybe and he's like, yeah, they'll, they'll get you to Luxor. I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is going to be like. Maybe it'll be like the other checkpoints. They'll come and they'll stop a car and, and help me hitchhike. And so now we're waiting around for this tourism police to show up and I get my passport back. I grab it. It was on the table. So I just grab it, make sure I have it in my possession. And we're waiting and, and it's rolling around in my head. Like there's a car coming to get me called tourism police. Like, this sounds like it's just going to delay the crap out of me. And I got to the point where I was almost just going to walk away because his English was not great either. And obviously I speak no Arabic and I was almost to the point where I was just going to like 
just walk away, either go in another direction or head into town, find out where the actual bus station was, just something, just get out of there. But right as I was like almost to that point, after like 15, 20 minutes standing, uh, this police car shows up. So I get into the, it's more of like a pickup truck, get in with the guy and the three of us, we, we head on out maybe 10 minutes to this uh, tourism police station. You know, it's got a long driveway, dudes with guns, uh, you know, towers even. And then we walk up into this station and there's this back room and I'm, I sit down and there's this big dude at the desk and he speaks the best English out of anybody. And I guess he's the boss there. And he's like, so tell me your situation. I'm like, you tell me my situation. Like, why? What's going on? Um, I'm like, yeah, I was just going to go to Luxor and don't have a ton of money. So I was walking and hitchhiking and kind of like to do that anyways, blah, 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 blah. And then he's just asking me like how I got here to Egypt and all these things and looking at my passport and I just keep answering all of his questions and keep saying, yeah, they brought me here because maybe you guys are helping me get to Luxor or something. What's going on? And, and he's like, all right, follow these guys to this other room. Uh, and they'll do a special investigation. And I'm like, special investigation. What? What? (laughs) So they take me down a hallway to this other room with these guys who speak way less English. And they're basically just asking me the same exact questions that he was. Uh, and then they pull out a piece of paper and they're like, we want you to write down like all the places you've been and how you got between them. Like, so basically everything I've just described so far, as far as like, you know, crossing the border, going to Dahab, going to Sharm, uh, going to Hergada. Uh, so I'm like, all right. So I'm writing all this stuff down. I'm like, this is kind of (laughs) dumb. Uh, and then they're writing stuff down and they're talking back and forth and, and then they take that, the papers away, and then I'm just sitting in this chair for a while, just, okay, wondering, and I'm just waiting for a long, long time. And finally, someone brings me, like, some chicken. <laughs> like, okay. I was pretty hungry, so I'm eating that, and just nothing's really going on, and people are starting to leave, and then there's just this one guy kind of left, and... It's just me and him in the office, and now hours have gone by, and he doesn't speak great English. I'm like, where's, you know, what's going on? <laughs> and yeah, can can I go? And I was looking for my passport, and at some point he'd put it in his pocket, because I wanted to just, like, pick up my passport and leave, you know? Like, no one's telling me anything. Uh, so I'm like, can I have my passport? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, need, I need to go, you know, like I'm trying to get to Luxor and I've been here for hours now and what's going on. And he kind of tells me that he's waiting for the boss and the boss is going to call in 15 minutes and say, what's up. So another 15 minutes goes by and 30 minutes goes by and then, and then I start getting kind of like, you know, I'm like, dude, I gotta go. Give me my passport. <laughs> I'm leaving. And he won't give it to me. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to walk outside. Like I need to, I need to breathe. Like I'm not, 
And he's like, you can't. I'm like, well, stop me, man. I don't know. So I walked out of the office and he follows me outside. And then he like quickly talks to the, the guys at the gate with the guns. I assume just to be like, just keep an eye on this dude. Like, don't let him escape. I don't know. Um, so I'm pacing around outside like, this is getting crazy. I finally, the phone rings and it's the, the big boss guy. And he just asked me what my occupation is. And then I'm like, where, where are you? When am I leaving? And just hangs up. Uh, okay. So I'm waiting around even more now and you know, more hours are going by. I'm just like sleeping on the steps in front of the station now. And it's all like closed in. Like there's no, yeah, like I said, there's dudes with guns. I'm just like there and people are just walking by me. Most people don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Uh, at some point, I posted just on Twitter, at Hobo Lifestyle, my Twitter account, just like, just like, hey, I've been detained for like seven hours. I forget exactly what I wrote, but I remember just putting something there. And I also like was not pulling out my phone too much because I already took my passport. I didn't want him to take my phone. I didn't know what I was getting into. So kind of on the slide, it's posted there. It's just like a, a bookmark, you know, just in case things got crazy, like that would be there. But I didn't want to freak people out, so more people on Facebook sort of follow what I'm doing than Twitter. So I didn't want, you know, people freaking out if this was going to be nothing. So that's why I just put it there. Just say, Hey, I've been, you know, detained for seven hours. Like in case I go missing, like this is where I'm at. Safaga. And then just more hours are going by. Finally, someone invites me back to that back room. They're like, they had some food, they had some bread or whatever. And some, uh, feta cheese, something like that. There's a lot of a lot of feta cheese and bread. That's about it. So, so I joined these guys, and they're just laughing. Like, I don't know. They're just, you know, they're working. They're looking at Facebook, these, like, other cops, whatever, watching videos, hanging out. And I'm just, like, tired. And right around midnight, finally, they're, like, come back to the office with the big boss. And I go back there, and he's there, and he's got his kids there, whatever. And... He's explaining to me that he's waiting for, as he put it, Egyptians, FBI, which he later said was national security. He's like waiting for a call from them to figure out what to do. I'm like, you could just like give me my passport and let me go, dude. Like, what's going on? And he's like, all right, we're going to, he's like, I know you're probably angry and tired. He's like, we're going to put you up in a hotel room tonight and... Uh, set you up with a dinner and breakfast in the morning and then you'll come back here at 11 12 we'll pick you up and we'll sort it out and we'll get you to Luxor and I'm like okay <laughs> this is weird and it, but at this point I'm like this is probably the the best thing now I mean maybe like sounds nice to sleep somewhere like I'm just gonna have to sleep so even if they let me go I would have just walked and camped so I'm like Okay, cool. They're going to send me to Luxor somehow tomorrow. Uh, so they throw me in the cop car. We go to this five-star resort. <laughs> uh, appropriately named Shams. This place was called Shams. <laughs> uh, they take me in there. I'm kind of out of place in this place. <laughs> uh, put me in a room. They gave me some food really quickly. It's like midnight, so... They gave me this like quick plate of food. I go back to my room and I'm like, what the hell is going on? 
I, I try to sleep. I get some sleep. I wake up early, shower, go to this breakfast breakfast buffet. There's like a bunch of mostly Germans hanging around. It's like, it is. It's like a five-star resort. I'm like, this is kind of ridiculous. Like, I eat a bunch of decent food and uh, drink some coffee, walk around. They got like little cabanas outside and pools. And I'm like, all right. I go back to my room. Like, I'm just going to sleep until they come. But then the phone rings, and I'm like, all right, good, they're here. And the guy's like, uh, it's checkout time. I'm like, it's like 9 o'clock. <laughs> uh, so I grab my stuff, and I go, and I check out in front of a sign that says checkout at noon. I'm like, okay. I'm like, are the police here? And I'm like, he's like, no, but you can wait there. So I'm like, so I'm waiting in the lobby for like four or five hours, just waiting in this lobby. I don't know why they kicked me out of the room. Uh, maybe just so like, you know. Couldn't take advantage of eating lunch later, so I don't know. Uh, so now I'm just hanging around, and finally the police show up at like almost two o'clock, two p.m., one thirty, something like that. I'm like, all right, finally they're here. So we go back to the station, and I'm expecting to get to the station, go straight to the big boss's office. He's gonna tell me what's up, and they're gonna let me go. I'll be on my way somehow. Uh, but no, they take me back to one of the littler offices. And I'm like, where's where's Big Boss? You know? And yeah, no words. So then I'm just sitting there, waiting there again. It's like for another hour. Uh, finally, this guy who speaks a little bit more English comes in. And he's like, you just need to... Uh, we're just drafting this thing. You got to sign it. And once you sign it, you'll go. All right, <laughs> draft away. Let's speed this speed this up. So I'm sitting, waiting, and finally I sign something. I don't know what I'm signing, but I just sign it. Um, yeah, they had me write like dumb stuff, just like I travel freely because I like to move. Uh, yeah, and writing my name a bunch of times, passport number. <sighs> So, finally, I do that, and it goes back and forth between other offices, I guess, and then they're like, all right, let's go. So, I get into the back of a police car, and then we start heading back towards that checkpoint, I can tell. And I'm like, all right, great, they're going to bring me back to the checkpoint, and I still don't know exactly what's going on, but it, we're going in the right direction, so maybe they're going to let me walk or hitchhike or maybe there's a bus waiting or I don't know. But then we pull into a big ass police station instead. Like, so I was at the tourism police and now I'm at another police station. So, Oh, this is not good. So pop out into this police station. There's a bunch of back and forth talking. Uh, then they bring me into the station then they uh, take my phone at that point, and they put me in this cage next to the desk. And I'm standing in the cage just, like, shocked now. I'm like, whoa, 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 this is not what's going on now. And, again, nobody speaks any usable English. So I just, uh, I don't know what to think. And they take me out of there, and they move me into a little room, which I 
pretty much discerned later is maybe their little break room, a little tiny 10 by 10 room with some chairs in it and and a door that locks, obviously. And I'm just in that room, just waiting, wondering, okay, like what's going on next? Uh, so I finally get their attention and I'm just like, what's, you know, what's going on? And they, someone says, you, oh, what did I say? I said, like, what am I waiting for? And then I, uh, bust a Luxor eight. I'm like, what time is it now? Five. Like, All right. Good. I guess I can wait three hours. Finally, this is over. <laughs> uh, so around seven o'clock they came in and made me sign something, some book. I think some of the stuff I was signing was because they took my phone. Maybe I was just signing for property or something. So then eight o'clock rolls around. It must be nine o'clock. And finally they call me. They take me out of the, the room, bring me behind a desk. That one English speaking kind of guy is, is back. And again, they're making me sign this stuff. He's And he speaks, his English is, is decent. And he's explaining like they're just trying to protect you and uh, cover themselves. So basically I had to draft this document that they made me write just saying like, I understand the road is dangerous and I, the police have told me this. And he's like, yeah, you can sign this and then, and then you'll go. I'm like, all right. So, sign away. I write everything they tell me to write. Um, sign it, and right as it seems like it's it's over, some guy comes from another room, and and then the captain, I guess I don't know. He's just like, oh, we actually have to check your visa and make sure your visa's all right, and then that's not going to be open until tomorrow. It's kind of the gist that I got. I'm like, what the fuck, <laughs> like what like you guys have been my passport has been stapled cringingly stapled passed around for the past day like what have you guys been doing like <laughs> what is going on so i'm like am i going back to the shammy sham place or no, no like now you'll sleep in that little little room I'm like, all right but i'm gone in the morning so I'm like all right I go and sleep in this little room and yeah, I don't know. Like there, there are points at the tourism police place where I thought about like the the idea of calling an embassy kind of crossed my mind. But I'm like, this the way they're rolling it out is just like, oh, you, you'll be leaving soon. You'll be leaving soon. And I'm like, how serious is this? Like, is this an embassy thing? What does an embassy do? Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and also just not wanting to show my phone in the beginning. Uh, but now they have my phone. They they gave it back to me. I talked one of the guys into giving it back to me. And so I spend the night in this cell kind of thing. And then the morning comes and I'm, they, they wake up and walk me to the bathroom so I can use the toilet. And then back to the little room and waiting for me was a box with a few pieces of bread and a juice box in it. Like, all right. Uh, and then more and more time goes by. I'm just waiting. And then finally they open the door 
a guy with handcuffs. I'm like, what is this? And put the handcuffs on me and one on his wrist. And then we're walking out the door to a police van, like a transport van. I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> no response. I mean, that is so frustrating. It's like, now I'm in handcuffs going into a police van? Like, where are we going? Like, and I know these guys don't speak English, but all these hustlers and all these other guys that speak no English, they all say, where you go? You know, where you, <laughs> like, some of these words must register. But yeah, no explanation. Uh, so in the police van, we go, and cruising through town, I can see out the window at least, and then I see a bus station. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> like, this was ridiculous, but I'm finally, looks like we're going to a bus station, but then we go behind it, and then through some other gate, and then up to some other building, and then we get to this building, and go on up through some offices we go there's two guards with me we go to some office one i stay with one guard sitting down and then the other guard goes into a room with a bunch of other guys we're there for like half an hour uh still no idea what's going on they come out back to the police van we go I'm in the transport vehicle whatever that cruises us back to the police station and once we get to the police station, um, I'm just in my cell, and hours are going by, and I'm like, well, and then finally a guy comes to the door, and he's like, do you have any money? And I'm like, no, man, <laughs> like, like, I do have money, but not like, I pull up, when I first got there, they uh, asked me if I had money, and I had, you know, $10 bill in cash, and I had five pounds Egyptian, which is nothing. It's like 33 cents. But, uh, so I pulled out the $10 again. I was like, I have this, and, and then, but I have, like, I have digital money. I'm trying to explain, like, I, you know, I can, I pull out, uh, you know, a credit card, and I'm like, you know, with this, like, I can, I can do things. Like, I can, uh, you know, book bus tickets. <laughs> I could, uh, go to an ATM or something and, and get cash, whatever, like, I can, I can get a bus ticket out of here, <laughs> like, I'm good, and then he takes the card, and luckily, because I never got this card back either, which is strange, but I always, uh, I have two cards in my wallet, and they're, they're not fake, but they're, like, not expired either, they're just cards that never activated, it's basically so if I ever get mugged or robbed, I have this wallet that has a couple cards in it, and yeah, it looks legit, and so I'm glad that's the card I gave him, because I never even got that card back. So he took that and left, and I'm like, what is going on? Well, hey, and he didn't, he didn't understand, like, anything I said. Like, the fact that I was saying, he's like, this is no good, holding the card. I'm like, what do you mean it's no good? Like, he's like, something about, like, not being a bank in Egypt. I'm like, none of that, do you understand, like, how things work? Like, I can go to an ATM and, like, withdraw cash. I can go online and buy a bus ticket. This is just not registering. He leaves and then another hour is go I'm just getting like crazy frustrated. At this point, it's just like adrenaline that I can do nothing with. And finally, I'm just like, this is not going anywhere. This all, I need, I need, I need to make some kind of move or something. And that's when I just posted on Facebook, like, does anyone speak Arabic? Because I just wanted someone to like translate, like for me to find out what the hell was going on and for me to tell them 
what was going on, like anything. And that's when just people started flooding in and were super helpful. Um, one friend in particular, uh, her husband, her both of them, did, this helped out and like called the embassy for me because my phone battery was dying too. So I'm like, all right, I guess the embassy is the thing. And they managed to contact the embassy. And then another like hour later, um, a guard came to the door and he's like, phone call. And they take me to this room. And it's like, it's your embassy. And they look pissed. They look really upset. Like that. I don't know. That's going on. So I pick up the phone and it's this woman who speaks perfect English. Like, so I'm like, all right. She's like, tell me what happened. So I'm like, you know, was walking, hitchhiking, blah, 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 everything I've just said. And like, now they're not letting me go. And I was trying to explain, like, I have, you know, I could buy a bus ticket. I saw there's a bus leaving later and I can get it with my card, you know, and I can go to Luxor and be on my merry way. And I, and I'm like, and I have a flight booked too. Like when I booked the first flight from Cyprus to Israel and all that, I also booked the flight from Cairo to um, Johannesburg. So I'm like, I have this flight booked in four days or something. And yeah, can you explain this to them? Can you explain to me what's going on? And, and she's like, they want to deport you. And there's, she's like, there's nothing we can really do. Um, like, what? Well, well what's good? And she's like, let me talk to the guard again. So she talks to the guard again. And then they're all talking back and forth. I don't speak to her again. They bring me back to the cell. Uh, I'm waiting around for longer, just like, okay, and then finally they bring me back uh, when she calls back, and she's saying, okay, they they need you to change your flight to sooner. So this was February 23rd at this point, and my flight, which I'd booked like a month ago at this point, was February 27th. She's like, they need you to change your flight to like, 20 late the 24th or the 25th so i'm like fine you know <laughs> i will do that um i'll do that i'll just get no luxor for me you know no no cairo no peeking at pyramids whatever just get me I'll, I'll just leave the whole country now i'm fine so i go back to my cell and i'm on my phone and i'm looking uh kenya airways like is it possible to trying to call them and they're just not being helpful and just like seeing, can I reschedule my flight? Like, are there just like stupid cheap flights to Europe? Screw it. Like just put South Africa on hold. Like what's cheapest, fastest ticket out somewhere. Um, so I'm in the process of just like trying to figure that out. And then two guards come in and they're like, stop what you're doing. Uh, don't change it. And there was this one young guard who was the only sympathetic person in this whole story who spoke good English. And when he showed up, it was always just good because I could actually kind of talk to someone. But he was also like a junior cop or something, so he didn't even have the information most of the time. But anyways, he was he was there, and he's just like, um, you're keeping your your original flight, the 27th, like, don't book another. I'm like, okay. Uh, so are you can I get a bus to Cairo now then? Or, you know, I have people I can stay with in Cairo now more than ever. Not only had I already like previously been in touch with some couch serving hosts, but now people are like, I got friends in Cairo, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, just no. So they leave and I still have my phone. So I call the embassy from my phone 
And I had found a place to charge at that point, too. And I called the embassy. I'm like, so they just came in and told me not to change the flight? And they're like, she's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, just totally unhelpful. <laughs> like, not really telling me anything. She's like, all right, well, if that's what they said, um, I don't have that information yet. But she's like, uh, national security should be calling at 8 p.m. And they'll have more information on what to do. Or what, what happens next. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm waiting until 8 p.m. So uh, I'm just waiting around, um, waiting, waiting, waiting. 8 p.m. clearly rolls by. Nothing goes on. No more news. And it's late. And I just go to sleep. So I sleep another night in this little little room. Uh, locked in there. Up still. There's no news. No contact. Uh, right around 8 in the morning or something. Uh, is when the guard comes, brings me to the bathroom, and then they bring me back to that cage and take my phone again. Uh, and that's the last I saw my phone for until the bitter end. Uh, so now I'm, they've taken my phone again. I'm in the cage, and I'm like, so what's going on now? And the guard's like, I can't understand you. And he says, I'm like, I can't understand you? That's like a decent English sentence. <laughs> like... And I'm saying, what's happening? Where? When am I going? Like, these are also, like, surely he understood. He's not telling me anything. I'm like, embassy? I'm like, there's nothing. Just ignoring me. Um, finally, they moved me from that cage back to the, the little room. And, yeah, just the whole day, I go being ignored. Just nothing. No contact. Obviously, I don't have my phone at this point. There's no one speaking to me. No one will speak to me. Uh, later that night, I see the the young dude. He's back on shift or whatever. So I get his attention, and I'm just like, okay, he's the toilet, you know? Like, you got to let me use the toilet. So he walks me to the toilet. I use the toilet, take a piss, and then I come back with him. And I'm like, dude, do you know what's going on? Like, what's, what's the update here? Um, and, yeah, he's just, like, not helpful either <laughs> he, he's trying to explain something like they're holding you because you haven't updated your travel plans like you're supposed to tell police every time you go from one city to another or something it's kind of what he's getting the gist at i'm like that's definitely not a real thing um yeah so then i'm just back in this room again and another night asleep um and then the next day again they wake me up uh, take me to the toilet, uh, take me back to the cell where I'm just waiting around again for a couple hours, I guess. And then finally a guard comes and he's like, you go now. Like, yes, <laughs> finally. But as soon as I walk out of the cell, there's a, how many dudes, like maybe nine other guys like handcuffed to each other and groups of two or three and all of a sudden i'm handcuffed to these two other dudes random dudes and i'm like whoa this is this seems like it's getting not good uh so i'm handcuffed to these two other dudes and then we're brought into like a big police truck and yeah just what 
what is going on? So I'm brought into this police truck, and I get in there, and one of the other dudes in handcuffs is like, where are you from? <laughs> I'm like, I'm from fucking New York, man. I'm like, where, where, where are we going? Do you know where we're going? He's like, Hergata. Hergata. So we're going back to the town that I had been in, uh, an hour north. I'm like, we're going to the station there? So... We roll up, and the whole time we're in this van, I'm just, like, fantasizing about, like, how at some point the truck will just, like, stop, and there'll be, like, an explosion, <laughs> and, like, the roof will come off, and, like, freaking Marines will come down, and, like, <laughs> and they'll just be, like, rolling me out of there, and I'll be, like, it took you long enough, <laughs> and they're, like, you son of a bitch, and then we, like, get out, but obviously that did not happen. No, no, instead we roll into this Hergata police station, go through, uh, we're in front of a desk, and we're all in there, and this one dude is just sobbing, one of the other guys in handcuffs is just sobbing, I'm like, that's not good, he seems pretty upset, uh, then we're moved into, uh, this kind of bigger, bigger room, one at a time, bigger concrete kind of room, and there's a guy searching people's little bags if they had them or they're going into this tinier little room and in this the doorway of this tiny little room are these other like prisoners kind of dudes and they're just like watching so as soon as like they start searching through my backpack there's just like a gang of people just like at the door kind of like what's he got like and i'm like what the fuck so they're searching through my bag again they searched it once when i first got to that other police station and he's pulling stuff out, and this one dude who ended up being real helpful the whole time, his name is Albino, <laughs> he's ironically the darkest dude in there, this guy from South Sudan uh, in his 20s, uh, skinny dude, uh, who spoke better English than any anyone else in there. Uh, they're going through my stuff, and he's just like, you're going to bring that bag in there? Uh, and I'm like, what? Uh, maybe not, because <laughs> he just looked like you should, it's not a good idea to bring all that stuff in there. I'm like, I didn't realize this was a choice, so I tell the guard, I'm like, yeah, just, like, keep it outside, I guess, and, because I'd been keeping my bag close the whole time, because, you know, they already stole my passport, basically, my phone, so, I'm like, all right, so, and he'd already start emptying stuff out and putting different, certain things aside, like, uh, so I'm like, all right, yeah, just keep it, um, so I took my bag of clothes, and then I go into this little room, it's 10 foot by 15 foot uh in the the corner is this little partition of just a shithole literally i mean the whole place is a shithole but this the literal shithole partition uh and there's maybe 25 people in this little room it got up to points where there's 35 people in this 10 by 15 room literally on top of each other and i when I first got in there, one of the dudes, like, you know, got me by the shoulder and brought me to the back, like, sit here, sit here, sit here. And I'm like, okay. So I, I sit down, and right away, this guy's trying to hustle me. He's just, like, you know, kind of asking my story, but then he's just like, oh, there's a 100 pounds cleaning fee. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, he's like, I'm like, I don't have any money, man. He's like, oh, 20, 20 pounds, 20 pounds. I'm like, dude, get out of here. So 
he's like, do you have a lighter? And I, I give him my lighter. I'm like, and obviously he doesn't give it back. So I'm just like, I'm just like in this room full of freaking Hergata hustlers now and whoever else. So the Albino, he calls me to the other side of the room. So I go and I sit there and I meet him and this guy from North Sudan. And I'm asking him, I'm like, how long have, have you been here? Like, he's like, oh, 55 days, <laughs> like 55 days been here. And people are just like kind of on top of each other. It's hard to really sit anywhere or lay down. Some people can lay down, but like you're kind of on top of each other still. And some other dude, I ask him like how long he'd been there. And he's like, I've been 20 months, but one month in this room, I'm like one month in this room. I'm like, do you guys go outside for just like an hour a day and and that's it? And he's like, no, no. He's like, I have not left this room in a month. I'm like, this this room, this is basically a bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> like you haven't left this room in one month, like not once. Like you haven't walked out that door. And he's like, no, just been here. And I'm like, Albino, you've been here 55 days just in this room. He's like, yeah, just this room. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> this is not, not good. Um, there's a guy from Pakistan there too. As far as I could tell, him and I were the only non-Africans there. Uh, I guess the, Albino's story was he was coming from Sudan. He was coming to Egypt to work and he got was in a car or something and got caught right away. And I guess he just didn't have the visa or something. So now he's waiting for his brother to come up with 250 bucks to get him a, a plane ticket out of there. But it's kind of hard to do when you can't contact anybody. So, But somehow he'd gotten the ball rolling. I don't know, maybe just telling people who'd been there to make a call for him or something. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the, the Pakistan guy, he had a fake visa and got caught with that. And it was... His English was not very great, so it was unclear whether he, like, intentionally forged the visa or he got, like, swindled by some fake company, uh, something to do with Germany. I don't know. Was, yeah, everyone had their own little thing. So now I'm just like, it's, it's not good. <laughs> and the one dude is just like, live with us, you know, dressing just how uncomfortable I was. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just here. Um yeah. and constantly like people are kind of like moving around trying to get better position more space to sit there's this like kind of power dynamic and territory sort of thing like the first hustler who is trying to get freaking cleaning money like <laughs> uh some people had more space than others um i was in the side of the room where we we're just basically all on, on top of each other um there's one dude in the corner by the the shitter. He was just smacking himself as hard as he could. Like, he was crazy, like literally crazy. That's what they said. It's fifty one fifty, dude. Like he would just start like screaming and just start smacking his head as hard as he could, just like and shouting. And people were usually just laughing at him. Um, that's shoddy, I guess. <laughs> and people were smoking cigarettes constantly at some point someone just started a trash fire just just got a little fire going on in this tiny ass room so i i'm just breathing in trash and cigarette smoke and 
the water's not drinkable. There's no way I'm going in this. Sh-. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll go dehydrated before I drink that water and get sick. This is the last place I want to be sick in. And that's it. I'm like, do they bring water? Like, no. Like once a day, they bring like a bag full of bread and, uh, and some juice boxes. And, you know, it's like a juice box, juice box for every two men. <laughs> okay. Like some, some feta cheese or something for the bread. I'm like, all right, this is, this is not, not great. And, uh, towards, towards the night, even more people like were getting like crammed in there. I'm like, how is this even possible to cram more people in here? And Albino's being super cool. Like he, he's been there the longest. So he's kind of always helping me get a better position as far as sitting or even almost laying down at points. And, um, yeah, one dude was just using my leg as a, a pillow. Uh, he he started freaking out. That dude just started sweating, and they quickly like pouring that crappy water down his throat, trying to give him some air. Um, at one point, I was like almost sleeping, almost, and then a fight broke out. These two dudes, and it was coming towards me. The fight. And I couldn't really move, you know, I was stuck there. So all of a sudden the fight toppled on top of me. All I could do is just cover my head, you know. And uh Yeah, I kinda caught a couple punches in the back, but not not the head or anything, and then, you know, the fight got broken up and Albino's just like, Yeah, it's part of it's part of the system. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of a lot of like legit kind of fights that broke out and then but there's a lot of just like stiff arm finger point shoving like a lot of these guys i met like egyptian guys there's i noticed a certain temperament that some some of them would have where they'd just be like real quick to to go hard you know just like just start shouting and i don't know what they're saying they could be like saying something kind of nice i doubt it (laughs) but it was just sort of a certain temperament that uh a lot of them had just uh, just aggressive and so there's a lot of that a lot of these fights I'm like I can't tell is this gonna escalate even more and I'm just, I'm not able to sleep you know obviously it's hard to get into a position where I could even really sleep and I'm worried about just like I don't know getting pickpocketed while I'm in there like I'm worried about getting slammed getting you know fought <laughs> like i it's, it's hard to sleep <laughs> so i'm just waiting and all of a sudden a big group of people come in i mean we're up to over 35 people i counted i don't even know how the hell they did that but yeah but when all those people came in too the pakistani guy relayed the information that in a couple days at 2 a.m. he'd be going to Cairo. I'm like, you're going to Cairo? He's like, yeah, there's like a bus to Cairo. There's going to be several people gone. I was like, that might be, that might be my bus. (laughs) Maybe I'll be rolling with you guys to Cairo and maybe, so now I have this like kind of hope like, all right, 2 a.m., which would be in another uh, 30 hours at that point there's this bus going to Cairo that I can only assume that I'll be a part of. Like maybe they will indeed let me catch my February 27th flight. 
so like all right so i'm just waiting like it was just you know get dark you could kind of see the sunlight coming through in one part and uh just like get dark and then as soon as it was dark i'm like get light <laughs> get light again just make this time go by and somehow i did i passed out for like at least 30 minutes and when i woke up it was light and i'm like all right it's light get dark <laughs> get dark again uh i'm just just waiting it out just uh every once in a while just sort of tilting my position and it's it's crazy you can't like the amount of people in there it's i don't know if you ever been on like a really crowded subway or something like that i'm using muscles i didn't know i had you know like just just to balance like i'm not even sitting i'm just like in some fucked up yoga position <laughs> like that doesn't exist in any book like where i'm just like balancing like shaking like just trying to you know or i'm on top of people or they're on top of me just like it's yeah it's impossible impossible uh finally i used that shitter i just had to pee eventually even though i'm not really drinking anything so i finally got in there that was I mean, you just picture it. You know exactly what it looks like in there. Ah, so I go in there quickly and just piss. And I haven't taken a crap in days. Definitely not going to do that in there. Um, get out and just just trying to let the day drag on. And basically, Albino is just my guy. He's the one guy I can kind of talk to, and the the, Nor the guy from North Sudan as well. He just loves America, so his English isn't great, but he just, you know, just keeps saying Chris Brown and Gaga and just, like, saying names of stuff that he likes. And American girls, American girls, I want American girl. <laughs> like, I feel you, man. Um, that's the only thing I can do to kind of pass time is um, hear what they're talking about. And days just rolling and rolling and... There's kind of like this gang in the the one corner, the the one who was first hustling me, and I'm standing up at one point, kind of on tippy toes, and can't really sit anymore, and they that makes them uncomfortable or whatever, and they have me come sit with them, sort of force me to, and they have me, one of the dudes sort of speaks English and has me tell him his story. He doesn't even believe my story. He's just like, I don't believe you. I'm like, okay, because <laughs> it's, it's weird for them. Like, a lot of these guys have been in and out of this kind of system and it's just not very often that or ever for that they've seen an american uh caught up in this and they're just like it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense like that you're here you must have uh you must have done something like your visa must be screwed up or you forged a visa or you uh didn't pay for something i'm like no like this is what it is um Finally, it gets dark again. I'm like, thank God, it's dark. So it must be like 6, 7 o'clock by now. And I'm just waiting, like 2 a.m. Is this bus really coming to Cairo? And uh, finally, guard comes and has a handful of assigned stuff. And I realize, okay, there's like a lot of us going to Cairo, getting transferred. I don't know what the deal is. Getting transferred there. Maybe people are getting released. Some Pakistan see, seems to think he's getting released. Um, all right. And finally, there's this like air of excitement. I'm talking to Pakistan. He's just like, I gonna eat chicken. I'm, I'm gonna sleep for two days when I get back to Pakistan, three days. 
and getting kind of excited now. And it's like, yes, like going to be free, man. And obviously at 2 a.m. rolls around. Somebody had a watch in there so we could actually see what time it was. A couple people had watches and, uh, you know, obviously didn't. Nothing actually came until like 3 or 4 a.m. And they line us up and they put us all on. They bring us out into the main kind of concrete room. And there's other, I realized at that point that there's other cells like in this facility. There's a woman's area too. There's a few of the women there in cuffs. There's kids. This is two two of the women. I think it's three women and two kids, like, you know, two-year-old, little toddler, and then like more of a baby baby. Like, what the fuck? They've been in one of these little rooms too? And uh, we're... Yeah, handcuffs. Uh, so Pakistan's my handcuff buddy. Luckily, uh, we're all you know handcuffed in pairs, and they start bringing out. Uh, you know they've got everyone's phones, and they're just like checking and make you know head count. Everyone's there, make sure that they got everyone's property. And Pakistan came with a bunch of money, so he came with like. I'm making up these numbers, but they're fairly close. Let's just say seven hundred dollars, uh, eight hundred and twenty euros, and a bunch of Pakistani money. You know, thousands of dollars equivalent in three different currencies spread out. Uh, so they're like, "All right, who, who had money?" And so Pakistan's like, "Yeah, I'm one of the guys who had money." And then they give him two hundred dollars, and he's like, "What about all the rest?" And they're like, "Oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't have it right now." So if you come back in a week, you can get it. Like, come back in a week? You guys are kicking me out of the country. And his his English is not great. His Arabic is not great. Um, and he's trying to understand, like, what? Like, am I going to get it in Cairo? Am I going to get the rest of my money back in Cairo? Like, what is going on? And he's just, like, holding back tears and looks fucking angry. And, yeah. And... Also, my back, my backpack's not... Oh, so we go in the room, people are, like, collecting their belts back, you know? They took everyone's belt when you go in there, and some people had, like, bigger bags that they didn't bring in. And I don't see my bag there, and I'm like, Sh- shit, like, where, where's my bag? And I'm like, it must have got lost in this confusion, because most people knew what was going on, they should leave their bag in this one area, whereas I got all the way to the cell where they're doing the final check to make sure you don't have contraband or whatever, and then took the bag away once Albino told me, like, you know, you probably don't want to bring that in here, so. But finally, I saw my bag, like, they had it, it was just, like, separated for whatever reason. I was stressing about that, he was stressing about the money. Finally, they bring us on, like, a proper prison bus. Uh, I I mean, there must have been dozens of us on this bus all paired up uh they kept the women uh with their kids up front and all of us dudes in the back and then we drove uh, maybe a half an hour i guess we stopped at another prison or something filled up the rest of the seats with some more guys and then we're driving 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 and just a ridiculous scene man like if it wasn't for the the uniforms, you almost wouldn't tell the difference between the uh, the prisoners and the guards. Like it's just a weird dynamic. Like they were like equally as chummy together as they were aggressive towards each other. Like you had guards who'd want to like fight some guy, and there'd be like other prisoners holding him back, 
they'd be shouting at each other and vice versa. And then like 10 minutes later, they'd be laughing or something. Uh, we stopped at one point and they were letting a couple people out to, to pee. People had to use the bathroom. And then they're like, nah, after they let like three pairs out, they're like, I guess we're just going to keep going. And everyone was like super pissed. Like I got to pee. And sure enough, like 20 minutes later, there's just like bottles of piss rolling up and down the aisles. And even when the guards see these bottles of piss, they're just like, you know, they don't, they just expect it. Like they don't care. Like the first bottle of piss I saw roll by, I'm like, fuck. When the guards see that, they're going to be like pissed. But no, they didn't care. And everyone's just chain smoking like crazy. I'm like, there's like this like little baby up front. It's got her mom and like the whole freaking bus of guards and other prisoners just smoking out this like thing with no windows basically like it's just crazy and pakistan's sweating the whole money situation he's trying to talk to anybody he can communicate with like what's what do you think the deal is like am i gonna get it back and you know everyone's got just like their version of informations yeah that no one knows what's going on so, uh, we're rolling for hours and hours, and at some point, we, um, we're getting close to Cairo, and we stop, and then they call for Pakistan, they uncuff, they uncuff Pakistan for me, and I never got the guy's name, <laughs> everyone just called him the Pakistani, uh, and they took him off the bus and then he was gone. I'm like, okay. And there's, there's so much confusion, man. Like I, cause I didn't know where the bus was going. I, the, the bus was going to Cairo, but just trying to glean any kind of information from anybody. Like, is it taking us to, someone said like, it'll take you to your embassy. Someone said it'll take us to the station. I'm like, well, it'll take me directly to the airport. Like, cause this is the day I'm supposed to fly. Now my flight's at like 11 o'clock that night. The one I had booked a month ago which I'm hoping is the reason that I'm coming up to Cairo. Um, yeah, so he gets off, and I'm like, all right, maybe this is this is kind of a good sign, because I just want to get out of this thing. So I'm like, maybe they'll be dropping me off in my embassy, but nah. Like, after we dropped him off, I start seeing signs to the airport. Like, I can kind of, like, see out the front of the bus. And, like, maybe they're dropping me off at the airport. And then we start rolling through the... The town, just in these side streets, the driver is freaking terrible. Navigation is terrible. We're getting, we're crunching up against concrete walls, getting wedged in these corners of little markets. I'm like, what little side streets are we going on on this full size prisoner bus? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, does anyone have any clue? Guards are just laughing, swapping cigarettes and freaking jokes. Uh, one of the hustler dudes behind me, one of the original dudes, the guy who took me in and won a hundred pounds for a cleaning fee he gives me like a like a tiny little cookie like the kind you'd get maybe like if you order tea just like a wafer you know like a vanilla wafery kind of thing as so i take the cookie and i eat it and he's like five dollars like five dollars man you for fucking and at this point i'm just like you want five dollars for a fucking cookie scrap are you serious man and this dude doesn't the only english he knows is money money he's, he knows fucking hustler english and i'm just like over it now so like I just kind of like went off on him a little bit and he just, you know, didn't even know what I said because he just doesn't know. So I'm just like, yeah, it's 
So he just looked at me dumbly, just knowing that he was an idiot. I'm like, come on, man. And that's a problem with these freaking hustlers, man. This is like they're persistent. That's all they got going. But they just got a script. They just don't. They don't listen. They just talk. So we we stop somewhere else at some point, just a roundabout. Turn the bus off, and we're just like there for an hour. There's nothing there. There's no buildings there. Who knows why the hell we stopped in the middle of some Cairo residential? But we stopped there, and they. After we were there for half an hour, they started letting us off two by two to to, to pee. Um, for those of us who hadn't peed in bottles, I guess. Uh, finally, we get moving again, and now it's getting later and later. Like, and I'm like, am I even gonna make this flight? Like, is it? Am I supposed to get the flight? Like, what? What's going on? <laughs> it's the story. Of this whole thing. What is going on? Finally, we get to Cairo. Uh, I mean, we're in Cairo, the city, and we're just driving for like more than an hour in Cairo. This is a huge city, you know? And then we stop again, and and then Pakistan gets back on the bus. I'm like, what? Pakistan? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were gone. I mean, it had been like two or three hours since he got off the bus, and we'd been driving around, and it was unclear what he had been through, but he still was in the dark about getting his money and it sounded like they were going to send him back to Hergata for a few days or a week until they could come up with more money or something like that I'm like so you got to go sit back in that fucking room for another three or four days so they can come up with the money that should have been like locked in a safe when you got in there what the fuck man like so he's barely holding it together and it, he doesn't even clear, know exactly if that's the case. So we're stopped, and someone says, yeah, this is the station, I guess. And and then Pakistan's like, yeah, he's like, the whole bus is going back to Hergada. Like, there's not enough space in, in Cairo. I'm like, the whole bus? Like, we're all going back to Hergada right now? Like, six, seven, eight hours back? Like, and now I'm just like, what the fuck, man? Now my heart is pounding because... The flight is over. I'm not making this flight at this point. Like, if and we're going back to Hergata, like, that means if I miss that flight, that's done. Like, and who knows? I could be in there for another week or two until shit is arranged or, and there's no communication, you know? Like, so now I'm just like shouting at that point, like, guard, I need phone, embassy, embassy. Like, and then one, one of the other prisoners who spoke better English, he's like, What's going on? I was like, Pakistan says we're all going back to Hergada. Like, I need to talk to my embassy or something. I got a flight today. You know, I got a flight. And <laughs> I got to go, you know? So. We, um, uh, they started talking to the guards and. I guess the guards did know that I had a flight, and they're like, they got you, they got you, like, you have a flight at 11, and it's gonna work out, and we're not going back to Hergata, Pakistan's just a fuckhead who doesn't understand shit like me, so, he he thought the whole thing was going back to Hergata, he's like, we're not all going back to Hergata, like, like, alright, they know about my flight, this is good, this is good, like, and like, you're gonna get there. 
and it's I don't know, it's already like 6 p.m. or something. Uh, so finally, they start taking people off the bus, and I don't know where the hell they're going into another shitty little room in Cairo for forever, or maybe they're getting released. And it gets to the point where there's just a few of us left on the bus. Finally, and they take me off the bus, and yeah, people are still shouting at each other and shit. And they take take me off the bus and bring me to like a enclosed pickup truck kind of thing. I see my bag again. I'm like, all right, that's there. They have my phone. They're not giving it back to me, but I see it. I see my passport. Just seeing these things is, is good. It's like it's there. Um, and they put me in the back of this uh, enclosed pickup truck with a couple other guards and one other prisoner dude. We're handcuffed together. And we're going to the fucking airport. <laughs> I'm sure of it now. So we we start driving, and we're in like this touristy spot. Like, I, I forgot, I think it was called Muhammad Ali 2. Someone said, like, you know, big, epic castle kind of things i don't know exactly i should look up where where it was it's just crazy it's just like people walking around and meanwhile like i'm getting shoved in a truck the handcuffs on people probably what the hell's going on here but then we're just cruising and i'm actually like happy now like the sun is setting <laughs> and we're going to the airport you know and i'm seeing people for the first time and uh you know, like cars driving by and like action in the street and the breeze is hitting me and I'm just like, yes, you know, like getting out of here. Um, and I'm just like, I want to see a, see a pretty girl or something. Just chauvinistic part of me or something. I don't know. I hadn't seen a pretty girl in all of Egypt. Sorry. Just not, not a single one. And not a single one in Dahab, Sharm. Like, I'm just like, let me see like one, one pretty girl before I leave Egypt. It didn't happen. I don't know. Uh, even going through all that traffic, but as, and then this dude next to me is still trying to fucking hustle me though. This other prisoner dude, as soon as we get in, he's just like smoking a cigarette. He's like, "Money? You got money? Um, uh, you want a cigarette?" I'm like, Are "You fucking serious, man?" Like, he's like, "You like hash?" I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> shut the fuck up." Um, yeah, he had no English other than to say that, and then he's trying to pickpocket me. I just let him, you know. Because we're sitting right, well, we were handcuffed together, and he like does the move where he moves his scarf, and then he uses his far hand, and he's got his like finger, you know, we go off the bumps, and he's putting his finger further in my my pocket, kind of on the sly, and I, my pocket is completely empty, so I'm just like, let me just see where this goes. Like, I don't even care. I'm just like looking out, and yeah, obviously he gave it a shot, and he found out there was nothing in there. Uh, we're just cruising and cruising. Uh, looking at stuff as we're driving by, and I'm just like, get out of here. So finally, we get to the airport, get to the terminal. Hustler gives one last shot. I have like a little pocket on my, you know, breast pocket kind of thing on my fleece, and he just like in front of me, not even trying to hide it, like pulls down that pocket. I'm like, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, get out of here. So, oh, fuck. I grabbed my backpack out of the truck, and he's. Dude's never even closed a backpack, so stuff just spills out into the truck, right next to, in the dark, next to this dude has been trying to pickpocket me. All the little bitty things that they took out when they were searching it are just, like, falling out. I'm like, 
So I'm, you know, scrambling to get that all together before he looks down and sees anything that he likes. I mean, it's mostly just like, to me, it's important stuff, but just junk to anyone else. Just like little batteries, my soap, you know, um, stuff that's usually packed away tight, but when, you know, gets searched a bunch of times and doesn't get repacked properly, it spills out. Uh, so I'm getting that together. Backpacks covered in like grease or gook or whatever that was on there. But I get it together, confident I have everything, and go and go through me and uh, there's some Ethiopian woman with her toddler. Uh, it's the three of us and these two guards. They take us in the airport. We're going to the airport. And shit, man, now I'm kind of feeling like a baller. Like, I'm like, we're at the airport. We're definitely at the airport. <laughs> like, my flight is in, like, four hours. We're here. There's no way this is, like, I'm leaving. I must be leaving. Um, and, and we're going through, you know, I'm, like, being guided through the airport. So we're going through security. We're going to back rooms and stuff. I'm like, uh, cool. Like, and all I'm looking forward to is, like, surely they'll get me through passport control and then I'll just be, like, in the gates where I can't return. They'll let me go, and I'll have a few hours to just, like, go get some water, take a gigantic shit. <laughs> like, uh, I'll have my phone back, theoretically, and I can finally just, like, let family and friends know, like, I'm fucking alive. Because this whole time, it's just, like, no communication. It's been days since I've talked to anyone. I don't know if they have any idea what's going on. The embassy is just shit. They didn't do anything for me. So... I don't know if there's any kind of, I don't know what kind of communication is going on. I'm sure everyone's just like freaking out. So, um, turns out we're in the wrong fucking terminal. <laughs> so after going through all this stuff, we're not in the right terminal for Kenya Airways. So we have to go back to this truck after going through different security for no reason for 20, 20 minutes, go back to the terminal and these fucking puzzle masters in Egypt, Jesus Christ, this Cairo airport is huge. So between the, this airport just being ridiculously huge, and I'm just, like, in the possession of incompetent assholes, like, we're driving around for another 20, 30 minutes just trying to find this other terminal. Finally, we, we get to some spot, which is, I guess, the right place. So we're going through some basement security thing, and I'm waiting, standing there with one guard, waiting for a... Uh, the woman from Ethiopia, I think, and her daughter, they got giant bags. And uh, I'm just like, with the guard, I'm like, man, this airport is huge. He's just like, yeah, we're just we're just tired. I'm like, you're fucking tired, bud? Fuck out of here. Um, yeah, so we go through, uh, yeah, more security. Bag fucking through the thing again. And then taking us some back room. And there's this grumpy looking dude who's got... My passport, and uh, then finally, dude gives me my phone back. Um, it was in like an envelope, gives me the phone back, and it's like, all right, maybe this. And then he passes me off to another like airport security guy, and this airport security guy takes me to the ticket counter, uh, gets my tickets printed out for the flight, both of them. Um, I was, you know, I'm going to Johannesburg, but there's a layover in Nairobi. So the first flight is to Kenya. We get the tickets. We go back to uh, the office. And he's like, just 
sit here for a second. So I sit down, I turn on my phone, and as soon as I do that, uh, he asks me to stand up, and I forget if I freaking sign something or whatever, and then he's like, ask for my phone. I'm like, what? You want my phone? So he takes my phone, this, you know, airport guy in this back room, and he takes my phone and puts a sticker on it, and now I'm like, you know, maybe three hours until takeoff, and you know, I'm thinking this is over. I'm thinking now that they printed out the flight stuff, done the passport stuff, they're just going to put me through security. Because once you're through security, you can't come back, you know? Like, you're you're there. Once you're at the gates of an airport and you've gone through passport control, like, you're out of you're out of Egypt or whatever, you know? So, like, I'm thinking they're just going to let me loose in there, and then I'll, I'll catch my flight. But, uh, yeah, so he puts a sticker on the back of my phone, and then he's like, uh, go through that door. I'm like, go through that door. I'm like, should I grab my bag? And he's like, no, you can leave your bag right here. So I'm like, let's do that door. So I go through the door. It fucking locks behind me right away. I walk through, and then there's like some bunk beds, and then there's a bunch of fucking dudes. Prisoner, <laughs> like, oh, man. I'm like, I'm in another fucking spot. <sighs> it was yeah, just a bunch of bunk beds and these dudes. But I see a bathroom in there, and right away, like, legit bathroom. I'm like, I'm taking... The most painful shit I've ever had to take. Sorry, guys, but yeah, that's what it is. And uh, so I do that, and then and then I finally go out, and I see this table full of dudes from all over the place, from all over Africa. Uh, the one dude who spoke the best, I mean, perfect English uh, was from Gaza, actually. And they're like, hey, what's your deal? And I'm like, yeah, gave him a very short rundown, and... They're like, yeah, this is, um, we're all, you know, have been deported or being deported. I'm like, how long have you guys been here? And some of them have been there for a couple hours. Some have been there for like over a week. Conditions were way nicer as far as there was beds in there, you know, uh, bunks. And yeah, some people were just in there for a matter of hours. The guy from Gaza, he had been in the States or something, was like uh, volunteering, volunteer, voluntarily deporting himself. So he caught a flight to Cairo, and then there's, like, a bus waiting for him that was going to take him to Gaza, where, I don't know, apparently people in Gaza are just fucked. Like, you don't even have a real passport. Uh, just all these other people going through so much shit. <laughs> They're, like, their own hellacious tales, you know. Um, and, yeah, they gave me some oranges and stuff in that little room. I guess they'd bring a bag of bread and at least they got oranges in there. Uh, water also is not drinkable there, but there's some means of them being able to pay if they had money to get water sent there or something. I don't know. But uh, and, and so I'm like, what's the deal? Like, how long do you think I'm in here for? And they're like, what time is your flight? And I'm like, I think it's at 11. And they're like, and they're like an hour, bef- usually like an hour before, they'll they'll come and they'll get you and they'll bring you to the gate. I'm like, all right, all right, must be leaving. <laughs> So I'm just sitting there talking to them. We're all sharing our ridiculous stories. And, uh, yeah, finally I I go and they're like, what time was your flight? And they're like, it's like, you know, you should, they should have called you by now. So I go and knock on the door and finally they come out and they've almost forgotten about me or something. Uh, and then they rush me to the gate, uh, give me my phone back once we get there. And then I'm at the gate, and there's one more. And then I'm, I'm for the first time, I'm fucking, I'm on my own, <laughs> you know? 
I get my phone out and I start just texting people, it's insane. Yo, I'm alive. And uh, yeah, then I'm just getting on the plane. Playing and uh, that morning I was able to text a couple people, you know, family. I'm here. <laughs> I think this shit is over. Uh, get on the plane, we start tax taxiing around, you know. I was played a float on, Mata's <laughs> mouse. Sorry, uh, yeah, it was stupid, but even on the plane, I was like, fucking take off, like, <laughs> part of me thought, like, the fucking plane might stop and pull me off again for some shit, but there's just irrational fucking shit, uh, but as soon as that fucker started revving up, yeah, had my fucking phone queued up. Uh, float on on his mouse uh, and we're fucking in the air and uh yeah a couple hours later a few hours later I don't remember how long the flight was uh, we land in Nairobi and yeah, once I, once I was there, I had a three or four hour layover until flying to Johannesburg, so I was able to properly get in touch, let people know I was fucking alive. Got on the phone with my mom, broke down like I'm doing now. I hadn't fucking done that the whole time I was locked up, even though I was frustrated and shed a tear. It's just like, but yeah, so I finally talked to my mom. It's just like, fuck. And right before I got on the phone with my mom, I was just going through the airport and uh, got a fucking beer right away. Got a yeah, big bottle of water and a thing, a can of Kenyan beer. <laughs> and then I'm like, let me find a place where I can plug my phone in and yeah, make a phone call. And they got those UK plugs over there in Kenya. It's a little technical. Uh, let's see if I can get this point across. Uh, those those certain plugs they have um, 
like a grounding third prong and you need to most plugs have that built into it but uh to save weight <laughs> i have something that doesn't have that but i have a little corkscrew thing that i use that i can jam in there so i can use my normal european plug in those plugs so i have this little keychain that is on and the keychain is only that little corkscrew and a little pair of scissors i used to cut my nails and uh this little medallion that was uh, uh just <sighs> fuck man uh it was this little uh, medallion thing on uh my uh, grandfather's damn sorry medallion thing on a bag of ashes from my grandpa uh he died when i was i don't know like 11 or something like that and we went out to spread his ashes <sighs> back in the water and i noticed on the bag there was this little you know like tag or whatever you know i'm 11 years old i took the tag and i've just had it <gasps> <coughs> Damn, sorry. Um, yes, I had this metal tag, and when I first started traveling, like, I was leaving, you know, so I just took a bunch of stuff, and that was one of the things I, I took with me, and it's the only thing I've had uh, since when I first started traveling that I still had. You know, everything else has changed. I've gotten new backpacks, made new backpacks. My clothes have changed. All my gear has changed. Every, when I first started traveling in 2007... The only thing I had then, I still had now, is that medallion. And, uh, yeah, that's when I noticed it was fucking gone. So, whether it spilled in that pickup truck or it spilled when they searched my bags, one of those times, it was, it's just, it's gone. I went through every crevice in my bag and it's just, it's just not there. It's just such a tiny little thing, you know? And with the scissors being on it, I'm sure that's why I got separated from where it normally lives in my backpack. Uh, yeah, man, so I just, I broke down, so, just like I did just now, I'm sorry, it's probably shitty to listen to, <laughs> uh, I don't really cry that often, uh, yeah, so, yeah, kind of <sighs> broke down like this, trying to get the fucking words out to my mom, talking to her, uh, but just, yeah, finish that beer, it's a good beer. It's not a good beer, but it was a good beer. You know what I mean? And I got on the flight to uh, Johannesburg. And here I am, guys. I'm free. <laughs> and luckily, before getting detained and all this stuff, I had arranged a couch surfing host. And I'd never confirmed, but like now, in the hours before, just this cool guy. Yeah, has homebrewing equipment <laughs> i'm just like you know back to it so uh flight landed right before noon i go, went and yeah met up with him and told him the whole story finally got a shower for the first time in a while and uh yeah slept like slept like a rock last night 
So this is just yesterday that that happened, uh, and he's at work now, and yeah, using his space to record this. So um, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's how that all went down. Um, <laughs> now I'm in uh, South Africa, and I tried to call the embassy yesterday. Uh, while I was waiting for this uh, Donald, the, my couch surfing host here, while I was waiting for him to get off work, I tried to call the embassy to just be like, do you guys have any fucking idea like what happened? Like I was never ch- arrested. I was never charged with anything. I never saw a judge. All these other guys in like that room in Hergata, the tiny shitty little room, like they're all like, what did the judge judgment say? I'm like, judgment? I, I never got any judgment. I don't think I was ever arrested, charged with anything. I'm t- like, it was just... This shameless, bureaucratic, dehumanizing bullshit for like a week. Nothing. No information. Just... Fuck, man. Alright, whatever. (laughs) Just whatever that whole story. Uh, I'm free now, so... Fuck, I'm gonna... Yeah, the embassy didn't tell me shit. They're like, we're close till Sunday. Let's call back on Sunday. We'll... Maybe someone will know something. I'm like, if whatever, man. I don't know. I'll call on Sunday and see what they have to say. Probably nothing. Embassy. I don't know. It's the moral of the story is fuck Egypt. <laughs> no, joking. That'd be a terrible moral to this story. I'm sure there's plenty of good stuff in Egypt. Uh, just not my situation. No, the moral of the story is just. Don't tell police that you're short on money, that's for sure. Uh, avoid these checkpoints if you're going to hitchhike. Maybe don't hitchhike there. <laughs> I don't know. There's not really much freedom of movement there. Uh, and uh, call the embassy immediately. <laughs> that's what I should have done in the beginning, but it was just like for the first two days, it was just like 30 minutes, 10 minutes, you'll be gone. Stay here in the morning, you'll be gone, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, I've never been in an embassy situation, so I don't know, like, they're going to, what's serious or not. But yeah, from now on, it's just like, embassy right away, before your phone gets taken. Shit. So, uh, that's that story. Let me see if I can uh, end on a more positive note. All right. Well, it's over. It's over. You know, I'm in. I'm in South Africa now. I'm in. On to the next thing. I'm gonna drink some good beers. Gonna find some good hiking. I'm sure. Gonna find myself in some weird situations. Some good situations. Stuff I didn't expect. And this is what I live for. You know. That's that's what got me out of New York. I had stupid job, just like doing nothing. You know, just every day was the same. One Monday was no different than seven Thursdays later. You know, except for the color tie I was wearing in that case. And I don't know. Just I gotta live this way. <laughs> it's good times, you know. So, gonna gonna keep going. Uh, moving forward, I might be cat sitting in Cape Town. It's not a hundred percent, but seeming seeming pretty likely. Uh, between here and Cape Town, um, I'm still just learning what might be worth going to see. Mountains, coastline, uh, different towns might be interesting. Uh, so we'll see how the next couple weeks shake out. Uh, check out more of the city today, and uh, yeah, not to completely diss Cyprus and Israel, done to leave them out, rather, uh, 
usually give a little brief thing. So just real quickly on what happened before Egypt. Uh, after the Netherlands, that last episode, I went to Brussels where I caught the flight. Uh, spent one night there. And a couple weeks in Cyprus with my grandma. Technically my ex-step-grandma. Whatever, it's complicated. But uh, I haven't seen her since I was a kid. So it was really cool to catch up with her and just, you know, from a different perspective. Like last time I saw her, yeah, I was like a teenager or something so just real peaceful caught up on a lot of writing um yeah just really really nice time there and uh beautiful parts of that island in cyprus and yeah israel was great too i'll i'll write about it more in in detail but uh definitely a place i want to go back to obviously a week two weeks is not enough which i knew it was more of a mission to uh, you know, get to South Africa via Egypt in a fucked up way. Um, but yeah, there's clearly a lot of great hiking there in Israel and people are friendly and hitchhiking is real easy, especially compared to Egypt. Shit. Um, yeah, everyone, I saw a lot of hitchhikers, not necessarily backpackers, even just people like going from town to town. So, uh, it was real easy to, to do that. And a couple nights in Jerusalem, went to the Dead Sea, soaked in there a little bit, checked that out, hiking. Uh, it was a good time. Israel was a good time, and there was a lot of screwed up stuff going on in there, and I don't really know all the details or how it works, and honestly, from talking to people, I don't think anybody actually knows what the situation is, like, I think that's part of the problem, It's a lot of confusion with the whole Palestine thing in Gaza, I don't know, it's just, it sounds like a, a mess, it's just a huge understatement, I'm sure, uh, but from the point of view of tripping through there, it's a pretty pretty nice place I definitely want to go go back to. Uh, even got up on a mountain at one point in the north where I could see Lebanon, Syria. Uh, so, yeah, going to go back there at some point. So that's that, you guys. Thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, just keep having good times, you know. Keep having good times. Uh, you can follow what I'm doing uh, at Hobo Lifestyle across the board, especially Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Try to post more regularly if I can, just, you know, pictures, what's going on. HoboLifestyle.com, of course. You can always read all my travels over the past 12 years, almost, damn. Um, and I've got, you know, travel tips and junk on there, too, and even links to uh, gear that I like. And, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so yeah, that's it. I'm good times ahead. So let's just end it on that. Uh, thanks for listening. And yeah, as much as I just want to scream, fuck Egypt from the rooftops, it's completely not fair at all. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I obviously had a horrible time there, but there's plenty of awesome people there. Unfortunately, I didn't get to meet many of them and, um, just good things to see. Fortunately, I didn't get to see many of them, and uh, I'm not going back there anytime soon. Maybe ever. I don't know. Maybe in who knows. I don't even know if I'm allowed back there. I have no interest. I'm good. Uh, so, yeah. Plenty. Of, it's a big world. There's plenty to see. So, that's it, you guys. Good times as always, and I will see you down the road. With all my shit straight, I'll get my big brain.